Welcome to the River of Life Church podcast, your home for weekly messages that will equip you in your spiritual growth. Thank you from everyone here at ROLC and enjoy the sermon. Hello, everybody. Praise the Lord. Yeah, you got that sustain. Sustain is from the Lord. He sustains us through every season of life. Amen. Well, I'm just excited to see all of you. I love Communion Sunday. I love when we call to remembrance. It's important to remember. Amen? It's important to remember what God has done. It's important to always remember the sacrifice that was made. You've seen the the phrase, never forget. That's very big from the Holocaust when they say never forget. Sometimes as time progresses and as the days, the months, the years, the decades... And when they pass by, sometimes our remembrance can become foggy and we can begin to forget. We need to remember especially the greatest sacrifice that was ever made, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't you love him today? Oh, that was lame. Come on. Don't you love him today? There you go. I heard a response so loud from all of the online uh, worshipers. It came through the video and I thought to myself, my goodness, that's good. They need to hear our love as well as people see it. Praise the Lord. Well, today you're going to hear about missions, our missions program here at the River of Life Church. But you're also going to hear the heart of God when it comes to missions. Not only in our own community, not only in our state, in this nation, but around the world, what God desires, requires And honestly deserves from us. We're his mouthpiece. We're his hands outstretched. We are his support to those who are on the front lines. Giving their all for the gospel. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Revelation chapter 4 verse 11. This is going to be the foundation verse. It's also the theme of the Assemblies of God World Missions AGWM for this year's time of reaching nations around the world with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Here you have the Apostle John, a little history so you can appreciate this man of God. He was the last of the apostles remaining. They tried to kill him, speaking of the religious leaders, as well as Rome. So he was shot with arrows but couldn't die. They couldn't just kill him. Then they placed him in a pot, a cauldron, a large kettle of boiling oil and threw him in. Historians, scholars bring out that his skin did not burn, did not blister, did not melt away. They couldn't boil him alive. You've heard that term. That is something that was actually used by different individuals and even nations as a form of torture and punishment. They just couldn't kill him. Why? Because our days are numbered by the Lord. But the reason death could not take him at those times was because there was one more purpose that John needed to fulfill. And because they couldn't take his life, that means they couldn't close his mouth. He became even more emboldened, so they exiled him to an island called Patmos. 
They left him with no supplies, nothing, but just as Jesus was faithful to be served by angels after his 40 days and nights, just as the Lord sent an angel to feed and touch and refresh Elijah the prophet when he was discouraged, God in many ways meant the need of this great man of God, the Apostle John. And it was while he was on this island with no distractions, he fulfilled his greatest purpose. And no one was there but he and Jesus. Don't measure your purpose by a crowd. Look at the person next to you and say, that's good. So many times we measure success, we measure purpose by a crowd when God sees and knows things and is doing things that aren't visible to the human eye, but all of heaven knows. And that's when this great revelation, singular, not revelations, revelation, was given to this man of God of the things yet to come that would prepare the way for the return of Jesus Christ. And with that in mind, look at Revelation 4.11, which reads, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Before I get into the heart of this message, I want to share a few statistics regarding missions outreach around the world. This year's theme with the Assemblies of God is titled, He is Worthy. How many of you believe that Jesus is worthy? This title taken directly from our scripture this morning. You'll find, and there are many, many wonderful organizations that are spreading the gospel around the world, but I want you to hear what your faith promise, what you give each month to support our missions program, these flags representing the nations where we are presenting through our missionaries, our gospel representatives, the message of Jesus Christ, some several missionaries attached to one flag from here in the United States to around the world. I want you to hear some of the statistics showing how your contributions of prayer, which empowers these precious men and women, as well as your financial contribution once a month with our faith promises, the difference it's making. Currently, the Assemblies of God has nearly 3,000 missionaries serving around the world. River of Life Church, we're a part of that. This initiative, the fulfillment of the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, that hasn't changed. God still requires that of His church. And I don't mean brick and mortar organizations or 501c3 organizations. I'm talking about people. We are the church, one person at a time, if we have confessed Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Look at the person next to you or behind you and say, you're the church. Some of the reach that's taking place on a daily basis, did you know that every 41 seconds, someone gives their heart to Jesus and becomes a part of a Christian church? Every 41 seconds. So I don't know how that equates at 11.37 a.m., our time, since 11 a.m., but within that, every 41 seconds, 
someone is coming to know Jesus because of Assemblies of God Missions Outreach. Every 137 minutes, did you know that there is a new church that's being birthed, being planted, reaching another area of unreached people? Bringing the gospel to those that have had no testimony, no witness, don't know. Every 100 minutes, a new minister becomes a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every 100 minutes. That means if you go to a movie, if it's about an hour and a half or a little longer, someone has said yes to the call to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ by the time you walk out of that theater or turn off your television set. Here's another mind-boggling statistic. There are currently, with the Assemblies of God, 69,189,381 constituents worldwide. That's how many people are joining us around the world each day, each week, and it continues to grow. 95% of all of these people, this is something that's mind-staggering. 95% of these people are outside of the United States. That number only contains 5% of what we have here in the USA. So this is what the Assemblies of God World Missions Program is doing globally. But to date, only 32% of the world embraces Christianity as their faith. 32%, that's it. That means 68% of the world identifies as non-Christian. We have a lot to do. Not only one-on-one -on -one as individuals, but in helping others that are reaching larger multitudes. Unreached people areas, other nations, other villages, countries. We need to do much in order to bring the gospel to people who need to hear about his amazing grace. And this is why River of Life Church has made missions a priority. All of you, you were saved through some type of a missions outreach, whether the mission of a local church, whether the mission of a radio or a television preacher, whether the mission of an evangelist that came to an area and you heard the word and said yes, all of us, somehow, some way, came to Jesus through someone who had embraced the mission's mandate. Even if you're in your home, led to the Lord by your parents at a young age, your parents had embraced this mission's heart and knew their mission field began at home with their children. Parents have a huge responsibility in making sure that they are setting the standard for the gospel with their kids. Because if we don't as parents, then someone else will. Satan will gladly allow someone to step in and take the lead in areas that we neglect or have even abandoned. God wants all people. God wants all nations to experience the power of his love. Honestly, this is what motivates God's heart. 
John 3.16, Jesus spoke this to Nicodemus, who came to him by night. And Nicodemus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world. The world, not meaning geological formation, dirt, stones, geography. God doesn't look down and say, that is some good-looking dirt. I love those rocks. Let's grab a few, Peter, and put them in the storehouse. For God so loved the world, people, humanity, those created in His image, you and me, those that preceded us, that, those that will follow us. For God so loved the world from Adam on to the end of time that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. Do you know you were created to live forever? Every human being who has ever taken the breath of life, they will live forever. That's unquestionable. But where there is a question is, where will they spend their eternity? If we live forever, we either spend it in heaven with the Lord, or if we reject Him and, and, and just go other ways, Denying such a great salvation, those people, much to the heartbreak of God, will experience eternity in hell. That's a fact. Some people say, oh, don't go talking about hell. Do you know Jesus spoke more about hell than he did heaven? And I'm not looking to bring fire and brimstone. That's not my incentive. But I want to bring a reality that we will live forever. Your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, all of those that have gone beyond your lifetime and they're in the presence of God or spend an eternity in the kingdom of darkness. We were created to live forever. That's why we're body, soul, and spirit. The spirit is eternal. When Jesus returns, those who have preceded us in death, their body will be resurrected to reunite with their spirit and soul that's in the presence of heaven. Paul said, in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ, twinkling of an eye, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up in a moment, the rapture. Yeah. Body, soul, and spirit. We live forever. And that's why missions is so important. That's why the last thing Jesus said before he left his earthly walk here on this earth, he gave the great commission, that was his mandate, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Because if people don't hear, people don't accept me as their Redeemer, their Savior, their Messiah as the Christ, they're going to live forever but not in heaven. And Jesus says that breaks my heart, but it also breaks the heart of God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. So continue what I began. Reach people for Jesus. Let it be commonplace, your lifestyle. And as people observe you, they'll ask, as you live your life, I will place you in divine appointments where people will ask, go into all the world. Yes, here at the river, we have our Sunday services and we have our ministries to children, to youth. Our teenagers are upstairs while an abundance of children are also being taught the things of Jesus in our education wing. Thank God for that new wing. Somebody say Amen. But there is a mission field beyond this brick-and-mortar facility. And that's why we embrace the same heart that Jesus embraced from the Father. 
God so loved the world that he gave his son. Share his grace, his mercy, his love. Our heart should be motivated but by what motivates the heart of Almighty God. You see, only Jesus has the power to forgive sin. Do you believe that? People try to buy forgiveness. They try to work for forgiveness. You can't buy it. You can't work for it. It's a gift. You receive it only through Jesus Christ. So only Jesus has the power to forgive sins. And only Jesus can restore those who have been broken by sin. I've been a preacher of the gospel for over 40 years. And I've seen many people broken and then restored because of Jesus. Marriages restored, families restored, people's physical minds burn out on drugs. I lived through the hippie generation, and I was one of them. And I've seen those who were friends of mine who literally burned their minds with acid, then coming to know Jesus, fully restored because there is miracle-working ability in this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He can heal the broken mind, the broken hearts. He can set at liberty the captives, those who have been abused, those who have been abandoned. God restores the years, the decades that the locust, the enemy, has eaten and stolen from his image, God's image, people. He loves people. And when we understand the only answer is found with Jesus, then we also understand why this message needs to be the priority of the Christian church. Why? Because Jesus is the only way to heaven. If he's the only one that has the power to forgive sin, the power to set us free from the dominance and the slavery of sin, the only one who has the power to really bring newness of life, purpose, peace and joy, if he's the only one, and on top of that he's the only way to heaven, then that means the message of Jesus Christ ranks top at the priority of our lives. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way. He didn't say I am a way. The Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a cult. It is a false religion. It's not a Christian faith. The Jehovah's Witnesses state and teach Jesus is a way, but not the way. He's one of many ways. Jesus said it. Who are you going to believe? The Jehovah's Witness or Jesus? His word reads, and he spoke it, John recorded it, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That tells us there's no substitutes. It tells us there's no other alternatives. Why? Because Jesus, he is the only one who died for sin. Look at all of the religions around the world. Where do any of these religious beliefs These faith organizations have the head of their belief systems as the one who died to redeem their followers and people from all sin and the penalty of it as well. Only Jesus was the one who chose to go to the cross. Only Jesus was the one whose hands were pierced, his sides were pierced. There was a crown of thorns placed on his head. Only he died for the sins, not just of his followers, but for the world. Those who had rejected them, those who crucified him, he still chose to die for them. No other religion teaches that. That's why he is the only way. He's the only one who died for sin. 
You can't buy your forgiveness, as I said. You can't work for it. What an awful thing. How do you know when you've done enough work? How do you know when your debt is paid? I love the old chorus. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus came and took my sins away. He did what we can't do. That's why, again, there is no other way to the Father except by Him. And that's why He is worthy. John 1, 29. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. They grew up together. But no other place in Scripture do you see John pronouncing this kind of declaration. At this point, this is when Jesus became more than a cousin and when John had a revelation, had a rhema, an epiphany, the Holy Spirit of God showed John this is the Holy Spirit himself giving testimony. This is the Lamb of God, the sacrificial Lamb that will be slain for the sin of the world. He will take away, remove the sin of the world. That's when John, at that moment, saw Jesus as more than a cousin, but saw him as deity. He saw him as Messiah. That's when he knew only God could right this wrong called sin. And that's why Jesus took on the form of man. He came to rescue those that had no way of escape. There is no way out of sin other than through Jesus. Someone of greater authority than Satan is the only one who can break the chain, put the key in the lock and release it so that newness of life, change life, like you're going to hear this evening, 25 plus men will be here singing. It's going to be a glorious event this evening. But then certain ones will share their testimony of where they were because of substance abuse and where they are now because of Jesus Christ. I don't think any of us will walk out of this place with a dry eye because of God's faithfulness. Testimonies bring hope to let us know no matter what we're facing. Because of Jesus, there's always a way of escape. There's always a way out. And all of these testimonies you'll hear at the banquet this evening are people that were touched by someone providing missions. Teen Challenge, Adult Teen Challenge, a missions program that was started by a friend of Cindy's and mine, David Wilkerson, and his brother Don Wilkerson, all the way back in the 50s. When David Wilkerson went into New York City, preached the gospel, and all these gang members started getting saved. Nicky Cruz, how many of you recognize that name? He is one of the key characters in the true story called The Cross and the Switchblade. And Nicky Cruz, who when I was in the music industry, gospel music industry, I ministered with him several times. He then encountered Jesus, had a knife up to the throat of David Wilkerson. And Nicky Cruz states, and you can find this in his book, I would encourage you, if you want an inspirational read that brings the gospel to life, purchase this on Amazon and read it. He had a knife to the throat of David Wilkerson, young preacher who had come to New York City 
to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to gang members. I think we need that again. People like that with that heart. And Nikki Cruz said, Preacher, I could cut you into a thousand pieces right now. And, Nikki, and David Wilkerson responded, and every piece would still say, I love you. That's when he broke and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And this organization that you'll hear this evening, literally, worldwide, it's a national and an international missions program worthy of our support. And they are part of our missionary program. That's where your faith promises go. You see, Jesus can do what people can't do. He wants us to embrace his calling, his priorities. But in order to fulfill this mandate, you can't do this without what? The power. You can't do what God has designed and called us to fulfill if we're not empowered to do it. Authority and that supernatural power, like was released on the day of Pentecost. We are a Pentecostal church. I love the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the 120 in that upper room, they were empowered to take the message, take the mandate to the streets. It wasn't about having this conference or convention, have all these people come and you keep the party inside. The purpose of the power is so we can be a witness. And then even when someone that may have a physical need, we pray for them and healing is released. Or someone may have a stronghold in their life, we pray for them and those chains are broken. I think I shared last week, my brother-in-law woke up one morning and he had double vision and blurred vision. Couldn't see anything distinctly or clear. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, you've had a virus attack your sixth cranium in the back of the head. You'll need surgery, and even after surgery, there's no guarantee that will work or you'll ever see again. You could even still go totally blind. Went on for weeks. Then I felt led of the Holy Spirit. I found out, and I called him up. And I shared with him. I said, I just heard, and I said, I want to let you know that I'm praying for you. I want to pray before we hang up the phone. I said, but... Jesus wants to touch you. I said, how have you been dealing with this? He said, well, I've already set up my surgery date. And uh, when I wake up and I'm so overwhelmed by concern, anxiety, fear, I just go and I begin to read Scripture. I'll sit for an hour or more just reading my Bible in the middle of the night. And I said, that's good. That's good. I said, the Word of God is the wood on the fireplace. But it's important if you're going to see the full benefit of the word that you light the match so the wood catches on fire. I said, the wood is your fuel. That's the word of God. And the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, I was specific. That's your fire. In fact, church, what happened on the day of Pentecost? Cloven tongues likened as to what? Fire. Do you know when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you pray in your prayer language, you pray in tongues, you're releasing spiritual fire into the atmosphere around you. So I said to my brother-in-law, I said, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to pray the Word of God, 
then I'm going to pray in tongues over you. I said, but then you also, when's the last time you've prayed in the Spirit? He's Pentecostal. He says, I can't remember the last time. I said, well, you need to start putting the fire to the wood, the fuel, the Word of God. We prayed, felt the presence of God. I heard back from him two days later. And before we hung up the phone, I said to him, I said, I know God heard our prayers. And I said, you may wake up in a day or so from now, and all of a sudden your sight will be fully restored. It may even happen tomorrow morning, but I know God heard us because we combine the Word of God with the fire of God. And that kind of prayer produces results. I heard back from him, tears in his voice. He said, Craig, I felt the presence of God when we prayed together. But afterwards, I went alone to a secret place, a a place where I wouldn't be interrupted. And I just started praying in my prayer language. Went to sleep, and when I woke up Sunday morning, Sunday morning, I opened my eyes. The double vision was gone. The blurriness was gone. I was completely 100% restored. Went to church. Amen. Give God praise. I went to church. I went to the gym later and worked out. He was an All-American football player all the way through college. And he says, everything is wonderful. And then he begins to weep. He goes, never again will I forget to use the wonderful prayer language that the Holy Spirit has provided for all of us as believers. See, that's the power that Jesus gives to every Christian so that we can not only be victorious and raise up a standard against the strategies. We all go through stuff. Any of you going through stuff right now? I have stuff from time to time. You can't be a preacher of the gospel and not go through stuff. Things happen. That's why we need someone more powerful and greater than us orchestrating, directing our steps. And that ever-present help, as Scripture says, in times of trouble. So that as Jesus said, in this world when you have tribulation, we can be of good cheer because he already overcame the trouble, the tribulation, and he'll show us the pathway to victory in his name. That all centers around the power of God. He is worthy. There was one of our Assembly of God missionaries serving in India, had gone there, had been there for several years. One morning when he was having his early devotions and prayer, God came to him spoke a word of wisdom, which is something in the future, supernatural from God. And he said to him, today you're going to meet a man with a white beard and with an orange robe and turban. And when you meet him, I want you to share my son Jesus. Share salvation. He took that away. You can't make things happen. If it's God, it'll come to pass. Somebody's saying that. Went about his duties for that day, drove down into one of the villages, parked his car, got out, and while he was walking, all of a sudden he saw a man with what? White beard, orange robe, and an orange turban. He walked up to the man, and he said, I was praying this morning, and God showed me you. He said, I would meet a man with a white beard, 
an orange robe and an orange turban. And I was to share my faith with him. The man responded, one day ago I had a dream. And God spoke to me in a dream and he said, I'm going to send someone to you who is a missionary of the Christian faith and they're going to tell you about Jesus. Now this man was a Hindu guru. He was a Maharashi. So he was a priest in the Hindu faith, had many followers. At that moment, this missionary just began to share Jesus. God opened the door. God prepared the way. Isn't it nice when God shows you behind the scenes what he's already done, where you may have a word of wisdom or a prophetic dream, and God's already prepared the way. But he's already prepared the way, even if you don't see it. By faith, we believe he's prepared the way, and we do what he says. After this missionary shared Jesus with this, you know, Hindu Maharishi guru, the man prayed the sinner's prayer, gave his heart to Jesus, renounced his Hindu faith, became an avid follower of Jesus Christ, and all of the followers he had in Hinduism gave their hearts to Jesus Christ, and a church was planted in that city because of that one moment. That's the power of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit that prepares the way even before we share the message. And for what purpose? So we as Christians can take the gospel message to who? People. It's all about people. It's not about brick and mortar. It's not about buildings. It's not about how many attend your services. It's not about if, if you're an internationally recognized speaker or ministry. The gospel is about people, one person at a time. And because people need the Lord, we are all called to be a witness. Jesus said in our text, you will be my witnesses. Look at Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my what? Witnesses. In Jerusalem, notice four locations. In Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and finally, to the ends of the earth. We are his witnesses in Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? That's our city. For those of you that live in Doylestown, that's your city. If you're in Philadelphia, that's your Jerusalem. That's your city. Wherever you live, that is your city. You will be his witness to your city. Judea was the state. That means we are to be a witness to this state. Samaria was the nation Jesus was addressing. And then finally he said, and all the other, region, all the other regions, the world, to the ends of the earth. Jesus shared this message to everyone, and so should we. So should we. When I read Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, it always stirs my heart, because as a pastor, I always see the need, and it's always so much bigger than the resources we have around us. I think every missionary and every other Christian leader would say the same thing. This is a big mission that God has called us to be a part of. The Apostle Paul, when he talks about sharing the gospel, he says this in Romans 10, 14, 15. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Or, translated also, without a witness. And how shall they witness or preach unless they're sent. When you go through the Bible, you'll find 
every believer is called to missions. Not everyone may go to a foreign country. But we're all called to missions starting with our Jerusalem as well as supporting those that have gone to the ends of the earth. So the responsibility of partnering with this great mandate is on all of us. In closing, conclusion, what does God require of you? What does He require of me? I believe He wants us to care enough to share. If you care enough, you'll share. When you see someone hungry, there have been many times, especially when we had more freedom to go into the inner cities. I'd go by, I'd see someone who was hungry begging for, with a cup for some money. Instead of giving them money to purchase drugs or alcohol, I'd take them in and to a local diner and I'd feed them. I'd say, this is on me, eat up. My father did that once after he came to the Lord. And he said, oh, it would have been cheaper to give him the money. The guy ate and ate and ate. <laughs> he was obviously being facetious because it was well-spent funds. Amen? But we need to care enough to share. Share your story with those who are hurting. You have something to say. Not everybody makes it to a church and hears a preacher. But someone in your community, someone on the job who maybe during a lunch break or after work, they come up and they say, can I ask you a question? Care enough to share your story with those who are hurting. Care enough to share your time with those who feel they've been overlooked. Care enough to share your abilities with those who need assistance. And care enough to share your finance with our missionaries so that this great commission can be fulfilled. We all play a part of the total picture. Our church, we support missions nationally here in the U.S., many. You'll hear more about that this evening when we get some updates. But we also support missions internationally, all around the world. These missionaries desperately need our prayers. We're going to give out reports showing our missionaries so that you can begin to pray for them on a daily basis. They desperately need our prayers. Their lives are put on the line, even along with their children who have gone to this foreign soil with their moms and dads. They need our prayers. But they also need our financial support. There's expenses there for printing literature, distributing Bibles, all that they need for their living expenses as well. There is a price financially that's attached to taking the gospel to another nation. And that's why we collect here at the river faith promises. Faith promises are not a legal contract. There's simply a promise that says, by faith I'm believing God to provide whatever amount he puts on your heart. This dollar amount, whether $10, $100, $50, whatever, each month, I'm believing he'll supply so that I can stand and support the Great Commission with my prayers and with my finance, that I can make a difference and people can come to know Jesus. Again, a faith promise it's not a legal contract. It's just your promise by faith to commit once a month to give not your tithe, but an offering to the work of the gospel all around the world. Your faith promise is how you partner with our missionaries. 
Taking the gospel to the world without leaving your home is what a faith promise enables you to do. You are literally reaching the ends of the earth right here in your home. Missions, you know what it does? It enlarges your worldview. Sometimes we can be so focused on our little dominion, our little kingdom, our home, our needs, you know, our church, and that's good. But the message of Jesus is even much bigger than River of Life Church, amen? And when we can enlarge our worldview and see that what needs to be done is so much bigger, that's why people will begin to consider prayerfully and stand with our missionaries as they go beyond our borders and are reaching a lost and hurting world with the love of Jesus Christ. God, I believe he is saying to us this morning, partner with me to tell others that my son, Jesus, he is worthy. Thanks for listening to the River of Life Church podcast. Subscribe and rate us right now on iTunes to be first to get access to new audio messages every week. Visit rolcdoylestown.org or like us on Facebook to always stay up to date on what's going on at ROLC. If you would like to support this ministry, visit the online giving page at our website. Join us next time for more from River of Life Church.